Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Let's lock in. This is Unrivaled. Yes! Yes! The teams you live for. The sports you love. With Scott Mitchell and Alex Keurig, presented by G2G Bars on 97.5 The KSL Sports Zone. All right, everybody. Welcome back. It is Unrivaled 97.5 The KSL Sports Zone. It's a Monday. Our weekend is in the books. And, uh, Talk about a guy who gets all his good work done in the weekend. Uh, not that that's the only place, but uh, when he hustles, the sweat on the brow is on the weekend for Jeremiah <laughs> Jensen uh, from Castle 5 Television. What's up, JJ? I'm uh, just chilling, just trying to enjoy my Monday. <laughs> now, it's- you came in, and you're kind of our – I mean, Scott's the silver lining guy usually, but then he gets a little grumpy sometimes. Yeah. JJ walks in here, and we're like, man, three-game losing team for the Jazz. And you were like, isn't it awesome? <laughs> like, no, he's like, the Jazz are on a mission. <laughs> the Jazz are on a roll right now. Uh, so Keep what, the train rolling. What on earth is going on with this team? The lottery train. They lose two uh, by not insignificant margins over the weekend against the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. And they have four games left on this really tough roadie. What is this team going to end up at the end of this thing? Are they going to be 0-6 on this uh, road trip? Or can it, they maybe steal one from Orlando? If all goes well, yes. They will be <laughs> 0-6. They'll be on the outside looking in where they belong. I think we all know what's going on here. I mean, Larry Markkinen sitting, you know, Colin Sexton. They're like, take take your time Just with the hamstring. We'll reevaluate in seven and a half I mean, weeks. <laughs> they, traded three, they traded three rotation players at the, uh, at the trade deadline. And now they have these guys that are nursing injuries and stuff and you know, Chris Dunn has been great, um, but you're 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 using a ten day guy, guy on a second day ten day contract who's playing twenty thirty minutes a game. Okay, we know what's going on here, which is fine. That was the plan all along. I felt, and I talked to you guys about this last week, a couple weeks ago. the The plan has been flawless. The Jazz plan all season has been flawless. They're doing exactly what they wanted to do this year. It could not have gone better, in my opinion. And you're now at this point where you got, what, 17, 18 games left? And they've been competitive most of the season. Yeah. They've been in that 
that 10 range, top 10 range in the West all year long to make it interesting. But we're at the point now where it's time to get serious about the lottery. Pick a place. Let's go. (laughs) It's time to go the other direction because they need a lottery pick in this draft. You'll hope for two, but the Minnesota Timberwolves are trying to spoil the party. But you got to have a lottery pick in this draft. And, uh, again, you, you don't control what spot in the lottery you have. You can try to lose as many as possible to get more ping pong balls, but ultimately guarantees you nothing. So the Jazz have handled this really well. They've been competitive and entertaining all year. And now we see the result here is it's probably going to end up in the lottery. I don't see any any way. So the Lakers are going to move up, and I think the Lakers are going to take the Jazz spot in that 7 through 10 range. So uh, that's where this is going. The Jazz are going to fall out of this and end up in the lottery, which is Jazz what everybody fans, wants. Right? Fans I think go. 7 through 12 all have 34 losses. Yeah, There's true. four or five teams that are that are kind of in the same spot. There's two spots in the loss column between Minnesota at 6 and Portland at 13. Yeah. Two, spot, so, two, two games. It feels like to me that a lot of the this second half of the season after they traded their rotational players away is more about player development. It just feels no like they're giving a lot of guys serious looks or, or even development minutes. And one of the guys I think is interesting to me is Simone Fontecchio, where he, he just he just is really struggling and had was having a hard time. And and you just you just heard Will Hardy talk about him and and what what they think of him and that they think he's a guy that you know can shoot the lights out of it and they want him to work through this and they want him to know that they have confidence in him and you've kind of started to see him maybe turn a corner a, a, a little bit but um, you know of all these players I guess that are there uh, and 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 he's certainly one of them. Uh, who, who I guess who turns into that player? Is he a guy that you could see in the Jazz's future? Is there anyone else out there that maybe getting these development minutes that's standing out that maybe we're not completely aware of? I, you know, it's hard to say. I, I think that there's so many variables during the off season that are going to take place. I think you're looking at who's going to be a core of this group that you see is part of your future. Obviously, Walker Kessler. You start with that, right? He's definitely part of your future. Azubuke? Probably not. Um, I'm and not I, seeing that one. And you know, I, I, he was he was a draft pick from a previous regime. Yep. And I and I think that we kind of see how that's going. Um, Johnny Juzang is somebody that's getting minutes right now. That yeah. You're talking about Fontecchio. I'm really fascinated and interesting with Juzang because you need three points. You need three and D guys. You know, he, he fits the bill and hmm. he can shoot it. So. I've liked what I saw from Juzang in 12 minutes uh, against the Thunder in that last game, three of six from three. That's somebody you look at. If you need a veteran point guard off the bench like Chris Dunn, maybe you do look at that. But ultimately, this is about the core, right? Walker Kessler, um, uh, Lowry, Lowry Markin, Ochai Abaji mm-hmm. is part of that. Is Colin Sexton a part of that? Yes, 100%. Okay. As of right now, yes. Jordan Clarkson, I believe, is still part of this. I think they like Jordan. I think they want Jordan here long term. So. Yeah. And then is is Talon Horton Tucker there? I think he's in the mix. I think they're looking at him as still a very young player. A lot of development you could do there. Um, outside of that, I'm not sure how many of these guys are back, to be honest with you, because there's going to be a lot of change in the offseason. There's going to be a lot of variables. They're going to have lottery picks, a lottery pick and maybe picks. They're going to have free agency. They're going to have a lot of options to remodel and revamp this roster, but – 
the the point of all this right now is to get some developmental minutes out of guys like Ochai Abaji and others, Johnny Juzang, and figure out who your core is moving forward and build around it. Is maybe giving them development minutes a showcase as well? Because sure. you, you, you have draft picks, and maybe you use some of them to draft players, and maybe you use some of them to acquire players. And there, I'm sure there are other teams that go, uh, we like Fontecchio, we like Juzang, or you know, we'll give you this and this. Uh, and the Jazz are kind of saying, "Hey, we're we're just we're we're putting our wares out there. You know, we're opening up our little jacket here and going, hey, look, see, this is what we got uh, as far as players on our team that maybe sweeten the pot or maybe make it like, you know, give them a chance. I, I just thought of that off the top of my head just now that maybe that's a strategy that they would employ by playing all of these players. No question, Scott. In the last six months, they've traded three guys who were in All Star games as Jazz players." Mm. You think that they're not they're not considering trading all these guys at some point, or that anybody's safe? So Is there anybody that's untouchable? <laughs> Absolutely not. Do right. they have like a, a top five player in the roster right now? I say no. Larry Markkinen is an all star. He's a top twenty four player in the league. He's proven that. But do they have a top five? Do they have a guy that's going to get you to a championship? Yeah. Uh, we don't know that yet. Maybe some of the, one of these guys develops into that. But I I, I believe they've still got to go find that guy. Right. And so, that's what this is all about. I, You know, I guess I should just – the whole year we've told everybody, and I've tried to tell myself, every game is a gift, just like the expectations are low. They've already blown out of the water. The expectations of what we thought yes. was going to happen with this team. So uh, trying to get yourself – look, it could have been us. We're talking with 15, or 17 games left, and then we were talking about 17 games left, the possibility there might be a tank on – or at least uh, the basketball is not very good quality right now from this team. And I, I'll take that with 15, 17 games left versus the 40 or 50 or 70, which was what we kind of thought was going to happen. It's like, yeah, after about the first couple weeks of the season, this thing's going to be uh, shut down. What's Will Hardy going to learn, though, over the next little bit? Because this is a weird stretch for him where he's trying to get the best out of guys, and I, all he knows how to do is do the right thing coaching-wise and, and, and try to get the best out of his guys. So what's he focusing on? So I'll I'll answer this two part. I want to reference. I want to answer part of your question there that you were bringing up is you know that that's kind of waited until this point. They got to this point where they were doing this. Imagine being the Spurs, a Spurs fan or a Rockets fan right now, mm. and the misery you've All had season. to go through. The Rockets have done this for the last two years. There's no hope in sight. I know they're trying to play for the tank and they're trying to get a lottery pick. You, there's no guarantee, and they've had to suffer far more than any Jazz fan has suffered this year. As far as Will Hardy. I think this is a great opportunity for him as a coach that's developing. It's not just about wins and losses all the time. Another part of coaching, and Scott, you've seen this as a professional athlete, there's a developmental part of coaching where you're constantly having to develop guys and helping them get better. Essentially, that's your role as a coach is to help guys get better. So Will Hardy is still coaching 100% 24-7 right now, trying to get the players that he currently has on this roster to get better. And that's what he's focused on right now. That's what he's doing. And I think it's an even bigger challenge for him now that they are struggling a little bit, that he's got to take different rotations and try to make things work. As a coach, he has to learn and experiment and grow himself. So there's a lot of ways in which Will Hardy is getting better as a head coach right now. There's a lot of ways in which Will Hardy is helping players on this roster get better right now that wouldn't have taken place otherwise. How many of these guys are getting rotational minutes that didn't even sniff the court earlier? Johnny Juzang? So now Will has a chance to take Johnny Juzang and take, okay, he played 12 minutes the other, uh, last night. He can sit down with Johnny right now and go over 12 minutes of game film 
Not just talk about the shots he made. What did you do defensively? And a couple what were you doing when you didn't have the ball? Right. You know what I mean? So there's all these opportunities he now has to coach these guys in a different way that he didn't before when Mike Conley and Malik Beasley they and were Jared probably, Vanderbilt were They are probably here. coaching him. Right. <laughs> I mean, Conley, yeah. I mean, what do you – yeah, exactly. I mean, that's a great point, Scott, because this, these are young guys and you're, who, you, who you were coaching – two months ago is completely different than who you're coaching now and the way you have to coach has changed in the last six weeks. I think I think with the, the coaching part of it and the developing coaching, it's a really good point because I, I think really good coaches don't communicate with everyone the same way. It's not yes. this dictatorship and go, this is the law. This is It's like I'm, I'm going to talk to Jordan Clarkson completely different than I'm going to talk to Walker Kessler. And when, when Will Hardy has a chance to talk to some of these, you know, to – a Chris Dunn, who's just kind of on his last leg, you know, it's a different conversation and, and a, a Simone Fontecchio and, and a Johnny Juzang. I mean, different conversations and, and a guy like uh, Rudy Gay, you know, who, you know, just old fart, you know, just, you know, how do you, you know, and you deal with these players so differently and to have, to have an opportunity to talk to them because they're playing. You know, it's it's one thing to go. You're on the bench. There's not much of a you know. Yeah. Work hard. You know what I mean. And and but when you're out in the game and you have different situations, okay. How do I talk to this guy? How do I how do I squeeze as much as I possibly can out of their ability when I get them on the floor with their different personalities, different skill sets, different uh, experiences? And and I think it's a it's a fascinating thing for a young coach to try to figure out. I really uh, like it. JJ, let's shift to the NFL draft real quick. Your life is uh, made a lot easier when we have a lot of awesome mm-hmm. guys in the NFL that come out of these local schools That's here. It's fun, yeah. And, I mean, I, we all knew how athletic that Blake Freeland was, and but we actually didn't until this weekend. Like, I think that the surprise of, uh, I mean, just to have the numbers that he did was just insane, and going through all of them is even insane, but the 37-inch vertical or the sub-540, sub uh, you know, the, the broad jump, which was All better than almost was everybody. It was, it was incredible. Uh, it, but isn't it insane, too, that the combine can take you from a guy who's like, yeah, fourth, fifth-round guy, now he's a second-round guy for a lot of projections. This is what a combine weekend, if you put it together right, can do for you. You can earn a few extra million dollars. You want to prove that you're an athlete, and, and Scott knows this, that all these teams want athletes. And you can take – you can't teach athleticism. You can't. You, can't. you can coach – Technique, you can coach different things and different aspects of what a player does, but you can't coach athleticism. You can't coach size. You can't coach strength. You have it or you don't. And so that's what this is all about is trying to determine how big, fast, strong, athletic these players really are. And is it perfect? No, there's no way it's perfect because we've seen a lot of guys go kill the combine and they can't play a lick in the NFL. Tony Mandrich. Yeah, we've seen guys that, I mean, Tom Brady, did he kill it at the Combine? No, he had the shoes on that I wear. He went like, to, that's why he went in the sixth round. He looked like he just drove, came off the street okay. and went out there and tried to, to run. to watch him run a 40-yard dash. It was actually He's like, the GOAT. I wouldn't even call it a dash with him. It's a, it's a lope. It was a 40-yard lope. Tom you know Brady it's fine. stunk at the Combine. He's the GOAT, okay? Yeah. So it doesn't answer everything. But what it really does is help you identify who great athletes are. And somebody like Blake Freeland, and I'm going to throw out Braden Daniels as yeah, who well, had an who awesome ran a weekend. sub-540. Yep. 
Okay, we're going to cover the Utes and Cougars here in this conversation because Braden deserves a lot of credit too. He he earned himself a lot of money as well. But I get why Blake's being talked about because to have the highest vertical jump of any offensive lineman in the history of the NFL Combine is incredible. 37 inches? Are you kidding me? Yeah. He weighs 305 pounds. <laughs> but we already knew this. I, I knew in high school he was a freak. I mean, he yeah. was playing quarterback as a freshman. He got too big to play quarterback. They moved him to tight end. He's playing on the basketball team. He's dunking on kids all over the place. He goes out on the track field. He sets a javelin school record. He was like, that was uh, what he was record. for. That was what he was for. I mean, he was the Gatorade track athlete of the year. Yes. in high school. That's he, how insane he, of an athlete this I mean, guy. Is. His, his parents were track athletes, I believe, at, at BYU. Or his mother was. I can't remember exactly. Um, his dad's now the head coach at Riverton High School, by the way. So they, they wow. the, all these things that he he proved on that day are going to help him and his stock. Now, the NFL team, now Blake's obviously got a, here's the thing about Blake, and this is, this is fair criticism, is, is he still has a long way to go as an offensive tackle as a football player. And he hasn't even scratched the surface of that. But he has the athleticism that all these teams can work with, that they're going to say, okay, you have a lack of experience playing the game at that position, but you're a freak. We're going to, we're going to take the, our time and invest in you, bring you into our system and we're going to help make you what we believe you can be because athletically you are gifted. Uh, I've seen some. So the John Morant situation is yeah. wild. I just saw his the new nicknames that are floating around Twitter. Oh no, Jaw Wick. Oh no, <laughs> and my favorite, Jaw Warrant. Jaw Warrant. Oh man. <laughs> uh, and we, we joke about it, but at the same time, this is a guy who has had to. Pull himself, not the team suspending him, his agent or whomever, finally an adult in the room got with him and said, you've got to step away for a minute. We've got to get some help. I don't know if it's a stress situation. I would hate to think that, like, I would understand what this guy's going through stress-wise, um, you know, the pressure that he's get, that he gets from his, his his closest associates, et cetera, on top of the fact that, you know, he's asked to do everything on that team. Um, but... That is an awful look for the NBA. They've had these situations before. Adam Silver, I don't know what they're going to end up doing if it's like, hey, he took himself out of this thing if there's another suspension waiting for him once he comes back to the game yeah. from the NBA. What's the status there? Because that's a team who's making a run and is uh, is going to go without their floor general and point guard and one of the most flashy players we've seen in the league in a long time. Awful, unfortunate situation. I'm not going to get here on the radio and try to pretend to judge who Jaw is, what he's been through in his life, all those things. I don't know what's going through his mind. But I will say this, and I've heard others say it this week, you are a one of the best basketball players on the planet. There are kids all over the country that look up to you mm-hmm. of all different races. You are you are one of the faces of the league. You cannot do this. You ha- you have so much to lose and so little to gain by acting that way on social media or in any form in any way. Look, this isn't an isolated thing with him. There was, there's been other things going on lately with him that have been odd, and he needs to get on top of it. And I'm glad he is, and I am such a big fan of Jaws' game. He play, he's electric. He's one of the most um, electric, entertaining basketball players of this generation. So I hope he figures this out because he needs to. If he, if he has to remove some people from his life, if he has to take a break from basketball to gain a different perspective – to, to look at things differently and view things differently, he needs to do that because he has too much talent. He has too much to offer the world than to be this, to have it be this. He, he is too big of an example 
to other young people out there that he can't be doing this. He's got to change it. He's got to fix it. And the Grizzlies can't sit back and allow this to continue to happen. They tried to brush that Pacers incident under the rug. They got really upset with the athletic for reporting what really happened with that. Mm -hmm. Okay? You tried to brush this under the rug. Now they're finally dealing with it. They should have dealt with it when they heard that that was happening. Well, unfortunately. They played a role in this, too. They've enabled this situation. There's a lot of people that have enabled this, and somebody needs to step in and tell this kid no. Yeah, and, and and I wouldn't be surprised if the NBA enables this because of what you're saying, because he's such a marketable name and he's one of the rising young players in the league. But, uh, you know, I think of some other players that have kind of had similar situations and you hope because you do, you have to you have to remove yourself from certain people and situations yeah. if, if you want to be that person. You know, Ray Lewis comes to mind where Ray Lewis went and you're young and you're stupid and you're, you really think you're invincible and all this stuff. And then you kind of slapped with the reality of if I keep continue in this direction, Brett Favre, similar, similar situations. Brett Favre was going nowhere yeah, and he kind of had to turn a corner and change things. So who knows? Um, conference tournaments are this week. What, what do we have to report? Hey, on you got, you got a, Anything you, exciting? Hey, Anything? WCC semifinal game. Have you heard this before? Against St. Mary's for BYU. <laughs> it's like deja vu, right? St. Mary's in the perfect. semifinal, Gonzaga in the final. It would be the perfect way for BYU to go out as a WCC is to edge out St. Mary's in the semifinal and then lose to Gonzaga in a final come this close. I'm just kind of kidding, but not really. <laughs> but good, I mean, kudos to BYU for fighting and getting to this point. I mean, they were down 13 in that first round game against Portland and found a way. They beat a good LMU team the other night, and they beat them soundly. They only trailed for 15 seconds in that game. And you know what? These games they've had against St. Mary's have been close. So let's see what happens tonight. I I don't think it's like this impossible thing. They didn't get blown out by Gonzaga this year. This is not the Gonzaga national championship contender we've seen the last four or five years. There's a reason that St. Mary's is the number one seed in the the WCC tournament. It sounds like Jeremiah is calling for BYU to win the West Coast Conference. Why not? Why not? (laughs) What would be more like – there would be nothing more of a Mark Pope thing than like stealing this game in a year that everybody wrote off what three weeks ago in terms of win losses. I've and never where you're seen end less up. buzz about this program since I've been covering BYU basketball since 2005. And the only buzz it's got that it's gotten is, hey man, Big Twelve is going to be tough. Like, that's yeah, like, well, that's really, not good either because right. everyone's like, this is a last place Big Twelve team, so they could completely change the narrative of their season in one week. And that's the brilliance of March Madness, right? That's why we watch this. Yep. That's, U- that's fun. Utes and Aggies, uh, obviously the Aggies, they're, uh, you know, when you think about how difficult of a road that they would have to go through, but that's one of the better teams in that Mountain West Conference. What about the Utes in the Pac-12? Tell us about the Aggies and Utes. And I think the Utes are run out of gas. I think they've had injury problems. I don't think they have the depth. They've got a short rotation. Craig Smith's done the best he could with this roster this year. They took a step moving forward, but yes. it's not good enough to go down there. I think they, they, they'll struggle to beat Stanford. If they do, then Arizona's waiting on Thursday. We all know how that's going to go. So, unfortunately, that's where they're going. The Utah State Aggies are the last team out, according to Joe Lenardi in the latest ESPN Bracketology. Ooh. And they go down to Vegas, where if, if everything goes the way we think, they would play New Mexico on Thursday. They have to beat New Mexico. It's like a win. It's like an elimination tournament now throughout this for the rest for Utah State. If you lose against New Mexico first round Mount West, your bubbles burst. You're yeah, going to the yeah. NIT. Mm-hmm. Now, you, if you bit, win that game, you're going to play Boise State in the semifinals. Win that game, I think they're in because Boise State right now is another. They're quad. on bubble That'd be team. Two wins against quad mm-hmm. one against a team with a quad one, and 
Boise State right now is a nine seed in bracketology. Two wins against Boise State in a week would get you in. So that's the situation with Utah State. And in the in the WAC, Mark Madsen's coach of the year in the WAC, Utah Valley won that conference outright. They have a chance to go win that thing against the, get to the NCAA tournament. Wouldn't that be fun time. for UVU wow. to get to the NCAA tournament? It would be year. unbelievable. But don't count out Southern Utah, who is the three seed in that conference, who has the talent to get it done. We could have a Utah Valley Southern Utah semifinal matchup in the WAC tournament. That would be a lot of fun. But Utah Valley would be a tremendous story to see them go to the NCAA tournament for the first time. They got a great chance. They are the they are the uh, the conference champions, not the number one seed because they do the stupid computer ranking thing for that, but. They, they are the team to beat in, in the Western Athletic Conference tournament. So there's some teams that have a chance to get in. Obviously, we know the Utah women are going to go. Right. Um, we wait until Selection Sunday to find out where they're going. They're going to host and probably be a two-seed. Uh, JJ, well, that was a lot. We threw a lot at you today. That you was fun. We, we got any more? Covered all of it. Okay. Covered all of it. There's actually – we're we're just going to shop. We're just close shop for the rest of the day. <laughs> You're done. Is that good? You're going to throw me back <laughs> in the closet and wind me up? Hey, just go, Jerry, amen. Replay amen. that uh, hour and a half you're, that we just had. You're going to go plug me in and charge me for next week. <laughs> KSL 5 television tonight. You can tune in and uh, see uh, JJ and their crew put, seeing what they put together. And, of course, that BYU game against St. Mary's tonight in the WCC tournament. Thanks, JJ. You Appreciate got it. it, man. Uh, let's take a break here. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson. And unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.